Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome to My Cares Living. Welcome back to the podcast. Podcast explosion tonight as a four-man weave takes place in this podcast studio as we make our way through a current, not past, teen drama hit Netflix TV show, Outer Banks Season 2. To do that, we have in studio, Wind, me, Pipes, Jack, and also his wife, the intern of this podcast, Intern Whitney. Check, check. Check, check. And my wife, the HR representative of this podcast. Hi. Anna from HR. Didn't even let me introduce you first. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Before you say hello. Sorry. Real quick, before we get started, housekeeping. Pat, go ahead with it. Vicarious Living Podcast on Instagram and Vicarious Living at Gmail. Yeah, get at us, kids, for all of our swag. Slide into our DMs for all of our good shit. Okay, to round out the housekeeping, three points on how this Outer Banks Season 2 podcast is going to work. Number one, part one tonight. It's going to cover Season 1 recap and Season 2, Episode 1 only. Only, exclusive. It's exclusive. We just want to get all the kids caught up with what happened in Season 1 and then just do a quick little taster of Season 2 before we cover the rest of season two on part two which comes next week lastly oh we already did our contact and swag so we only got two things on there check 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 um worth mentioning that we have two pregnant ladies in this podcast studio oh yeah so really this is a six-way a six-hander both fetuses will be a little quiet though it is good point we decided we started this podcast together it only made sense to also have our first children together and i don't think this has even been announced on the podcast officially that this podcast studio dynamic duo is having offspring soon Mm -hmm. so pretty cool baby moon podcast (laughs) (laughs) if you guys want to comment guys want to comment or give like a quick little hey (laughs) what's it like being pregnant miserable (laughs) whitney is uh due any well four weeks september 11th four weeks so yeah yeah so anyways just cool news cool news all around intern whitney i want to go to you on this because i think you're the person who actually brought outer banks to us i am so i got hooked Gosh, when was season one of this? I know COVID has thrown off my whole sense of time. So 2019? Yeah, it could have been two years ago. It could have been seven years ago. Yeah. So two to seven years ago when I uh, first watched this, uh, I just thought, sat through a lot of VL podcasts about uh, past teen dramas and couldn't help but notice all the uh, great parallels between this new hot teen drama of current day. So excited, excited that I finally got this. Uh, I think you told me if there was a season two, you would consider it. So Yeah. You yeah. raised it to me, and we might get into this at some point just uh, quickly. You raised it to me, and I started watching with you on Netflix whenever that was, two, three, maybe five years ago, whenever it was. Right. 
it started checking boxes immediately for me. Hot teens, core four, near a body of water. Let's go. Lots of sweat. Six soundtrack. Six soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, it is a sweet soundtrack. I, I, I pretty quickly I was like, we've been because me and you have been searching like, when's the next OC? Go? Like, when's the next? unreal teen drama that is like ubiquitous everybody's into it gonna come along and i was like yeah this has a shot i think there's only there's two now that are in contention it would be this and then euphoria yeah yeah which i believe i also brought to your all's attention but maybe not well that's a cool thing about intern whitney is she does not get paid but she scouts like as her one of her intern jobs is she just goes out and scouts local teen talent I specifically because anymore there's just so much stuff out there like there's so many shows you just don't know what's gonna hit i just remember the feeling i got it was like a lightning bolt through my body when we watched it we were joking around about it and then i don't know if it was on the internet or somewhere maybe like over here so i just heard john b oh yeah and i was like oh yeah (laughs) yeah and he's so hot too i mean he's the hottest guy like of all time and you know what we didn't get that feeling i don't know if you did but i didn't get that feeling was watching uh, All American on Netflix. Tried it. You kind of like it. Yeah, but it definitely, it, uh, as the kids say, hits different. Let's just say there's no John B. It's Kroger brand. Yeah. It's Kroger brand teen drama. I don't even know if they're... Watch it. What? <laughs> Watch it. Oh, yeah. yeah. HR representative. She moonlights in doing... Yeah, she works for Kroger, and she moonlights in doing HR for this podcast. She doesn't want, she doesn't want us to mess up any of her sponsors. Any right. potential sponsorship <laughs> opportunities. Uh, all corporations out there, we love you. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to back to Outer Banks? Give some. I just saw a couple fun facts I wanted to uh, kick us off with. One, do you know that Chase Stokes and Madeline Klein are dating in real life, aka John B. and Sarah Cameron? Um, sure do. Uh, just found out this information about 45 minutes ago. From Intern Whitney. From Intern Whitney. And well, you had a suspicion, and then we did some Googling. I mean, it. yeah. We knew that their chemistry was too real. And also, do you know it was a pandemic romance? Oh, really? Uh, did not truly heat up until they were in quarantine together yeah. uh, for the show. And also a fun fact, and I have a little bit. Wait, of- for season two? So while shooting, they were shooting yeah. in quarantine for I think season two. There was a flame there in season one that we all saw. They probably just hooked up in season one, most likely. Uh, but but I think Pat's quote's gonna say it all. So just to let you guys know what kind of guy John B is and what he's looking for Ugh. in a female, um, it's it's not about her looks. Yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly. Yeah. Okay, he's yeah. more of a connection guy. Right. right. So he's, yeah. uh, he's about the mentals, and I'll just give like a. <laughs> A first-hand quote. Um, this is just like really kind of sums up the kind of guy he is in their relationship. Uh, this just really hit home for me. Um, he says, I'm really, really attracted to intellect. <laughs> Any mental thing. Physicality sort of becomes a second thing for me. I'm so in tune with people's hearts and people's souls and deep conversations before I even start to look at the sexuality stuff. Right. I'm not a typical sexual-driven male. Obviously. So... It's just right. I mean, it sums up everything. Yeah, he's a great stand-up guy. It's, it's so easy to say that when your girlfriend is a fucking smoke show, <laughs> thirty about, out of ten. Love that about him. <laughs> She's got no flaws physically, so it's so easy to just say like, "Yeah, no, great heart." It'd be like Elon Musk being like, "I'm just not that into money. Doesn't really yeah. drive me." Yeah. Um, other fun fact: this show actually not filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina, where it's portrayed. Well. Go on. Did not know that. One. You didn't know that? No. 
It's uh, actually filmed in Charleston, South Carolina. Ooh. So, cut that. I'll cut that in post. (laughs) I I would have cut that anyways. (laughs) Naturally, I cut cut all fuck-ups. Actually, now, because we're laughing about this, I may keep it in. (laughs) Well, yeah. Don't watch it. Were you going to comment on the Charleston thing? Mm Mm-hmm. Go ahead. It's not relevant for this podcast. It's next Oh, okay. Oh, so wow. for context, what's happening here is Whitney has no uh, self-restraint or, or self-control. <laughs> we said don't watch past season one or episode one of season two, and she did. Uh, I'll jump in on defend, uh, Whitney's defense. Um, when the content's this good. I just couldn't it's, stop. It's tough. Yeah, I get that. Yep. No, I get that. Uh, yeah, it's filmed in Charleston, South Carolina. I think you can tell. Mm-hmm. We've been to Charleston. You can tell it's it's not Wilmington or Outer Banks, right? Yeah, I can I can tell. It looks it looks a little different. I mean, Wilmington, there's like a it's like upscale kind of town, and Outer Banks, it just it looks a little more like Charleston. It's because it's got all the marsh and everything. Mm-hmm. It's got like right. the grasslands and the the marsh. But then the reason why they didn't film in Wilmington, what they said was because uh, when they initially filmed season one, it was when all this stuff was going on with House Bill 2 legislation, which I'll be honest, I was not familiar with what that was. Looked it up. Let's get into it. Turns out it was uh, the bill that forbade something with gender neutral bathrooms. Oh, I do remember that. Uh, yeah, I'm un- I'm very unclear on it, but I think it had something to do with that. So why did that deter people from filming there? It, it's like something where the director was like, fuck North Carolina. I'm not going to bring my business there. Like, it was, fuck them. It was like a, boy, oh, it was. It was like a boycott situation. Yeah, yeah. And when you brought up House Bill 2, I was thinking we were going to get into like legal contract issues and like all kinds of stuff. Zoning. Like yeah, uh, zoning. Uh, I thought we were going to go straight stuff. into zoning stuff, but I do no. remember that. Yeah. So they were against gender neutral bathrooms. I think the bill made it to where the bathrooms still like you cannot go into a woman's bathroom if you were born with male parts is what the bill gotcha. stated. This podcast is not going to take a stand on that. I just want to I'm reporting the facts. These are fun facts and they're being reported. That's all we're doing. Your house, uh, if I believe, has gender neutral bathrooms. So that kind of shows where your stance is. No, that's incorrect. We actually have. Gendered bathrooms? Gendered bathrooms. Is that why you have a urinal downstairs? <laughs> yeah, and I have to poop in that too, because that's the only bathroom I'm given. So Explains it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. I have to shower in that urinal as well. So it is tough at times. <laughs> you got to take um, a stand somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. This, but hey, we keep separate bathrooms. It's very similar to North Carolina in this, <laughs> in this house. <laughs> um. Okay, last one. There's a North Carolina man, uh, December 2020, North Carolina teacher and author named Kevin Wooten. He filed a lawsuit against Netflix because he claimed they stole the plot of this TV show from his novel, Pennywise, The Hunt for Blackbeard's Treasure. He's seeking ongoing royalties and damages. So some guy that lived by the ocean wrote a book about people finding treasure buried treasure yeah insane right yeah i i have the description here it's pretty long so i won't go into the whole thing but uh essentially this guy blackbeard or whatever just finds this like treasure chest he claims it was uh filled with medicine but it really wasn't it was filled with treasure 
and uh, people are like trying to steal the treasure from him. And he said that's what they stole the whole plot from him. So it's worth a shot. It is worth a shot. I mean, at that time, pandemic was like in full swing. Yeah. Might as well. Like, clearly, if you have like fantasies about finding treasure, the next best thing is to sue a successful Netflix show. Right. Try to get some money out of that. Let's let's play a clip recap of season one. Get the kids caught up. This is my crew: JJ, Pope, and Kiara. Oh, and that's me, John B. So it was supposed to be a normal summer in the Outer Banks. Then this happened. Guys, I think there's a boat down there. Turns out, some other people were looking for that gold, too. Along the way, I got my boss's daughter, Sarah, to help us out. It was strictly professional. Shut up. Well, alright, not so much. Can you send a picture of gold? This is what was on the merchant. After a bunch of things happened, it's kind of a long story. That's right. John B, you okay? We actually found it. 400 million in gold bars. <laughs> For a minute, anyways. Sarah's dad found out and took it from us. You think this changes anything? I got accused of a murder I didn't commit. So Sarah and I were officially on the run. And to ditch the cops, we escaped the island during a storm. Ward had the gold flown to his home in the Bahamas. And we found our own way down there. Definitely the weirdest summer of my life. That was only the beginning. Other cool thing about season one recap while we're on it, Whitney actually did some more digging and found a perfect recap. It was an hour long on YouTube. Yeah, so uh, essentially it's a younger guy, I'd say probably in his 30s, around our age, uh, just going through and breaking down episode by episode uh, what's happening, kind of lightning speed. But, I mean, the man doesn't leave out a detail. So really feel like you get a full understanding of season one without all the fluff in between. So major plot points covered. Um, it felt like we were the exact audience for that guy. Yeah. Like if you so. just wanted to yeah. watch the show, you could just go back and watch the show. But if you're going to do a podcast on it that night and you don't really remember season one that well, that's the perfect thing. An hour long play by play. Was the uh, author Brian? No, this was not me. I got enough on my plate with this fucking podcast. <laughs> that would have been a great twist. Though. I know. Maybe that's it. There's, there's it a market me. there. It was to, me. I think you're all the awesome things about. No, I was thinking like, what's this? Does he get paid to do this? Because, or is it just some guy who is like us doing a podcast for free, and this is like 
how there, he gets his rocks no off. Money involved. He's already done season two though, too. Really? He's already recapped all. Of, I, I didn't. I didn't cheat that much. So he spends like five to ten minutes recapping each episode, mm-hmm. and he just speaks to it in a mic, and he doesn't actually play like video. He just plays screenshots. So yeah. he'll play like. 50 screenshots from each episode and then break them down for like 10 15 seconds per screenshot Mm -hmm. and he did this edited it all together and it comes out to like an hour or so and uh just kudos to that guy man i mean not getting paid just like this podcast i mean we get paid in in swag from wickloware but um he gets paid no actual dollars just like intern whitney and this podcast so kudos to him man love of the game love of the game all right we should see if he wants to get on the pod yeah, we'll reach out. We'll I thought he'd go for it. He'd bite. Um, what I did was from that clip, though, that hour long clip, I did a season one recap. And I thought the best way to do it is I wrote one question coming out of each episode. And I feel like each one of these questions that we'll discuss will perfectly navigate us through season one of Outer Banks. In a very concise yet creative way. That sounds, sounds good. good. I mean, you teed it up. You did your homework. Let's do it. Before I ask question number one, though, I have like a uh, preliminary question, like z- 0.5 question, like the first one, just like kick us off. Okay. This is not based on an actual episode. So this is question one? This is question 0.5. Okay. Uh, look, this podcaster sitting here in this podcast studio, ironically, has the exact same name officially as the hot lead in this fucking show. That's huge. That's huge. And I didn't even realize it until I started watching season two that me and John B actually, my first name is actually John, even though I go by my middle name, my real name is John B. And so my first preliminary question, I'll start with Anna from HR because I already know what her answer is going to be is who's the hotter John B me or Netflix's John B. And we'll go around the room. You can start. It's definitely you. I thought you were going to definitely No, it's say. totally JB. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so her answer is from Netflix's John B. Pat, what do you think? Who's the hotter John B? Um, I think the John B sitting right across from me is the hotter John B. Yeah, I appreciate it. Now, just keep them. Abs are probably not as dynamic on this podcast. Can you take but... your shirt off, please? <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'd say they're about the same. <laughs> Intern Whitney, who's the hotter John B? And remember, this will maybe impact your pay at some point. You, you, there could be a time where you do get paid. Well, since it's tied to salary, <laughs> um, I'm definitely going to go with the John B across from me. Nice. Uh, awesome. I will say, though, hot take on John B on Outer Banks. Not a popular opinion, but he's not not my number one out of the cast. Whoa. Out of the cast? Out of the who, cast. who out of the cast pulls off a dirty t-shirt better than John B? John B's a little, uh, a little cross-eyed. Okay, shots fired. Love that take, though. Wait, I do. Before we get into it, John B is like the the entire show, so we should we should just lead off. Like, what are the ladies' thoughts on John B? You're not as into him. No. Is this is who's the guy you're most into? I I I'm liking JJ's looks, and I I'm a Pope personality, which is okay. Which is I know not popular opinion. So I hate Pope with a fiery passion. Yeah, you would go for the nerds. I just love the nerds. Always. Well, if context for the kids, Whitney's like number one hot guy of all time is Chalamet. Yeah, I mean, obviously my taste is a bit left of center, so <laughs> obviously. <laughs> what do you think of John B? Hottest in the show or not? 
Um, I I somewhat agree with with Whitney's take. I do like Pope's personality more. Um, but I would say that JB is. Um, Why are you? His name is already shortened to John, John B. B. Why are John you shortening B. it more? I don't know. Um, because it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> John B. Though I would say, like looks wise, I I think he's he's probably the most attractive on the cast. Okay, so ladies in this podcast studio are split. Body. If we're going, if we're cutting off the head. John B. So for sure. John. Well, we would so never we, do that. So, yeah, I was going to say, we, we, now we have that uh, audio snippet. Whitney would fuck the dead corpse decapitated of John B. Right. Yeah. With, but with, without, with the head, not into it. With JJ's head. No. With JJ's head. Yeah. yeah. If you could sew JJ's head on John B, would you? No, we're talking. Okay. I don't want to get too far off the uh, JJ thing yeah. because I actually. We'll get to it. Love yeah, JJ a too. lot. Yeah. Um, but this is a John B. show, so we did have to just ask that question mm-hmm. to kick it off. Okay, question number one from episode one. I was I was trying to think of comps to this show. Because one of my favorite things to do is like look at a celebrity or look at a person and say what they're the perfect combination of. Like Pat, for instance, perfect combination of Lance Bass and Inspector Gadget. Fair. If you combined them, that's Pat, in a nutshell. If Lance Bass was a little more gay. Now, are we going? <laughs> no. Are we going cartoon version of Inspector Gadget or yes. Matthew Broderick? No, cut. <laughs> HR rep is saying cut that, meaning I definitely won't. A cartoon Inspector Gadget, not Broderick. Yeah, no, I get. Uh, I get. People think I look like a cartoon a lot. I don't know what that means. It's but your face it's shape. Fine. My two D. I will say we do see more Pat doppelgangers than anyone else. You have a distinct uh, like jawline and face shape, and it it's like cartoon two D. It's two D. Your face is two D. Yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> Anyways, my uh, comp of this show is National Treasure. Yeah, yeah. Meets Breakfast Club. Meets. Into the Blue with Paul Walker and Jessica Alba. Ooh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- this show, have you seen Into the Blue, obviously, for Jessica Alba's body alone and Walker's. Right, right. I would say that's a peak body movie. Both of their bodies. Oh, God. It's just Her peak. head's good, too, though. Oh, Jessica yeah. Alba, I'd leave Great head. head. I'd leave I would on. leave her head on as well. <laughs> yeah, we would do that. Um Big learning for me is that Whitney is just decapitating people yeah. when analyzing their attractive levels. Would you keep Paul Walker's head? Yeah. What if you could put Jessica Alba's head on Paul Walker? That's that's a non-starter. Okay. Okay. Pat, you're a big uh, National Treasure guy, so I brought that up because I yeah. felt like that would really apply to you. When you were asking me my comp, that's what I was going to say because I love that movie. Um, for whatever reason, it's a, I guess I'll call it an action movie. Like a thriller almost, but it's just got that thing where like every single time a scene happens, it's so fast paced, it just bleeds directly into the next scene and it just go, go, go the entire movie and you never get bored of it. Historical action. A lot of historical action. And it's one of those things where when you're watching it, you're basically living your life through the lens of Nick Cage, which mm. I kind of do, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> in general. <laughs> yeah, in general. Um, but it makes you feel smart because you're constantly watching someone solve problems. 
So you yeah. get that same kind of reward system of like, oh yeah, just solve that. Yeah, just solve that. Which John B's always doing too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he's always solving stuff. And yeah. let's give Sarah some credit there too. The whole the whole crew really. They're problem say, solvers. Yeah, they are. I'd say they've got. Uh, they're a lot more. What was the word I used? Pregnancy brain. I'm forgetting. Uh, resourceful. Very resourceful. These teens compared to the OC tween, teens. <laughs> tweens. <laughs> tweens. Tweens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like the resourcefulness level. Yeah, they like are. The kids today. It's almost yeah. like for me, like the teen drama and the sexual tension between the characters and you know what they all have cooking is almost <clears throat> icing on the cake for me. Yeah. Like I'm just into the treasure hunt. Exactly. It, that's why I think you get that that icing is the breakfast club element. And then the, the there's almost like there's there's two cherry on top of the Sunday or icing, whatever you want to use. And one would be the teen drama element. And then two would be the fact that all of these fucking people are fantastic looking mm-hmm. and they're in the water always in bathing suits and flawless. Everyone is flawless in this show. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the one of the the knocks we'd always have on the OC. I mean, that's canon. We're not gonna say it's a bad show at all. No, I'll probably cut that. One of the only minor flaws we could find with that show was just so many episodes, yeah. so much stuff to do. Like there were scenes that just didn't matter at all. Every single scene in the show drives the plot forward and is completely necessary. Yeah. So you're locked in the whole time. Whereas there's whole swaths of every single episode of the OC that are just. We would skip over. Yeah, and let's leave it there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so no disrespect. No disrespect. I was also going to say that something that I really like about this particular show is that they get into mischief and then they get out of it. Whereas mm. the OC, they just get into mischief and then they like cry about it later. Yeah, they great, never get out. Yeah. They never get out. That's a great take. Getting in and out of jams is, is great for TV and movies. Right. Uh, question number two. Pogues versus kooks. This is a critical theme that runs through the entire show. Pogues are the poors. They're the townies. They're the locals. They've grown up in the Outer Banks their whole lives, and they're not very well off. The kooks are the wealthy. I thought they were just like coming in, moonlighting in, and had like a vacation house there in the summer or something, but yeah, I the think they actually live there. For those people. Okay, so they actually, the kooks actually live there. They're wealthy. I was trying to get Whitney to say the name of the, the third category of people. Oh, what is it? I don't remember it. It's the tour or something. Oh, tourists. Uh, uh, I think. Uh, Muggles. Yeah, basically, <laughs> Muggles. the tourist class, they have a nickname for yeah. them. Like, they probably suck, right? They look down on the, tour, the tourists more than they even do the kooks. But this is just a classic right side of the tracks versus wrong side of the tracks. We always know in teen dramas, if you mix these, it is a potent mix. Yeah, it's a key ingredient. It's the opposite of blood and water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a... It, what is a Oil uh, and water? Let's just say... Blo- <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what is blood and water? Well, well, blood... Does blood mix with water? Uh, Sorry, I'm thinking Survivor. I just- <laughs> Leave that in, please. Leave it in. I I did. I I think uh, I meant I meant oil and water, but I had what was that that we said blood and water on Seth and uh, in the OC Seth and Marissa were blood and water, not oil. Uh, we and said water. oil and water, and then you said blood and water because it sounds cool, and we yeah. just went with that. So I meant oil and water, but yeah, blood and water just sounds so much cooler. But yeah, what I mean while we're on the science stuff, can we just say that there is no permeable more permeable membrane than the tracks in a teen drama. A hundred percent. It's that's not a wall. 
that's just it's a it's a net with extremely big holes people are just flowing through and what we know for sure in that permeable thing you said is that membrane one hot lady from the right side of the tracks is going to sneak her way through for the hot guy from the wrong side of the tracks. I mean, this is an integral ingredient and you see it in the show with Sarah Cameron and John B. She's rich. He's poor. They're going to fuck mental connection in real life, mental connection in, in real life, which brings me to number three, Sarah and John B because they're a, a critical relationship in this show. I was aforementioned talking about the guy on these YouTube clips who's like recapping the show. And I actually want to play it just so you can get a sense of when he's describing the first hookup in season one between John B and Sarah, because it is hilarious how he describes this. Topper unknowingly has a bigger issue because his girlfriend is heading back to the Outer Banks with John B and she is flirting hard. When they get back to the Outer Banks, it seems like they're both going to go their separate ways. But John says, no, I can't do this. I can't pretend that yesterday didn't happen. I can't pretend that yesterday wasn't the best day of my life. And as he's kind of pleading his case, she runs back, says, shut up, and they start making out. She breaks away and says, we live on a small island, so we got to be careful. Now, while John B. did just snag himself an insanely hot chick, I looked it up. She's 22 in real life. It's not weird that I say that. One of his best friends is about to get arrested because the cop walks into the <laughs> yes, I just, I just loved that he, that he just like let his own personality come out like god damn this girl's fucking hot whoa keep it in check he's like having like a mental whoa 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 calm down calm down and then he used the same tactic that we use when we're talking about these teens of like oh, we're grandfathered in it's okay people it's okay people it's okay we're not we're not we're not creeps we're not analyzing 16 year olds this girl's actually 22 we're totally grandfathered in and we're safe I just loved, I loved, uh, it made me laugh out loud when I saw that part. Whitney talked about this guy. Number four, is JJ the most underrated guy in this entire show? I'm going to say definite yes on that one. I think good actor, dynamic. Oh, yeah. He, he brings, without him, it would be pretty boring. Because if you think about it, John B, I don't know that he's got a ton of depth, you know? Like the guy, he's interesting. Well, I don't know. Shots fired again. But I think JJ to me is the one bringing the most like complexity, dynamic guy. Love his backstory with his family. Uh, he's he's very watchable. Can we use the word layers with JJ? Yeah, mm-hmm. lots of layers of that guy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Like his family backstory is really intriguing and you can see it like as he's as he's fighting with the kooks, as he's building his relationship with John B. He just has so much more like complexity to his character to where he can he can utilize his like emotions. Varying emotions is part of his character. He's the most complex guy. That's the through line. That's the thing that everyone keeps saying. Complexity, layers. I mean, this guy is the most dynamic. All the shit with his dad is insanely fucked up and he navigates that as an actor like really well I feel like mm-hmm. about you can just like tell like when he's acting like this guy's fucked up from his I, dad I uh, I have a take on JJ that I was going to save till episode one of season two because he does it a lot do you guys notice one of his moves is he grabs his chest a lot no like specifically I'm jumping ahead obviously but when they um, oh when they escape the school or whatever when they escape the school and they're worried about what's happening with John B like he's 
I've never seen an actor do this, but it's like a physical representation of anxiety. Yeah. And it's almost like a cheat code that you could do as an actor instead of like acting like you're anxious. He just keeps grabbing his chest like he's having chest pains. You know who I think, it, just when you say that, who I think of is, uh, and he kept doing that though in Dazed and Confused, the little kid. Yeah. Uh, whenever he, he just kept going like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Grabs, Pinching his nose. Grabs the bridge of his nose every time he gets stressed out and he just goes like, oh man. And it's like, that's the other side of it where. You just you don't have any other mode. It seems like it would be a cop out, but I mean, I mean, his other acting so dynamic that just grabbing his chest every while to like let the audience know that he's a little anxious. I, I felt like this guy was more of the Ryan Atwood, to be honest. I yeah. mean, I know John B gets all the love, but this guy with like his backstory, I know John B. Like, so the whole thing with John B. is like his dad was murdered, and you know he found this treasure and all this stuff, but like. I don't know. I, I just, I did think JJ's was more complex yeah. and dynamic. I think too, going back to season one, if anybody just revisit this to appreciate JJ, uh, the hot tub scene. I just remember that's the first time I was like, this guy's one of the better actors on this show. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, just him like having that full on freak out moment. And then also seeing like how much his friends mean to him because the guy really has no family. Like it's it's really just like that's why when John B, you know, they think they've lost them. JJ's so loyal to his friends and that's Oh, he there was one point in season 1 where like Pope was about to get arrested and he does that classic Ryan Atwood move like no. Nah, mm-hmm. nah, it was me. And like he gets he would rather like he himself get like fucked up whether it's with the cops or with like honestly beating ass and stuff yeah. like anytime a fight's about to go down, down. jj's yeah. down and he like jumps in to like get his ass beat so that his friends don't have to and that move is just gonna win points with with this podcaster 10 times out of 10 <laughs> that's me uh pat you were chomping at the bit what were you gonna say no good no i got it out <sighs> number five love triangle we gotta talk about it this is a big time plot point. Uh, love triangle between Sarah Cameron and Kiara the Pogue. We should have a robust dialogue on which team we're on between Sarah and Kiara. And I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about John P. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. That goes without saying John P is in the triangle. My gut goes John B and Sarah, just a uh, initial reaction. Um, I believe the the other relationship, the other peg of the triangle is more of like a best friend since childhood type situation that's right. just never fully brewed into fruition. Years of taboo sexual tension that's been building. Right. And building. And unless that is set up to be the most obvious thing in the world, like why don't these two get together? I'm not as into it on TV. So you're treating it more as like a Dawson Joey situation and Sarah comes in and she's kind of like the Pacey that John B needs to fuck. Exactly. That's yeah. a perfect metaphor. Yeah. And I, I get more excited about the Pacey situation. I like the, the, I guess for me, it comes down to a, am I into the best friends forever? Let's finally hook up or the wrong side of the tracks, a little bit of danger, a little bit of fire. Mm. And that's where I go. Okay. Intern Whitney. Now I would say, and this does come up in season one, so I think we can touch on it now, but I'm team Key and Pope, so I think that's what I want to see happen. Okay, so you default to John B. needs Sarah because you think Key is taken. Yeah. Like She's I, spoken for. I'm, I'm hoping. Like, I just want to see Pope get a win. Yeah. 
He's not getting many wins, no. and he's clearly a virgin. <laughs> so clearly. at least a hand job. We'd like to see Pope get a hand job, yeah. minimally. A couple, I definitely happens once. I don't know if it's multiple <laughs> times. Should, by the way, should, anytime Pat goes to talk, Whitney tells him to get closer to the mic. I feel like we kind of need you in here all here. the time. Yeah, yeah. Because it's going to save me a whole lot of editing work, <laughs> bringing his audio up. If you're just here smacking yeah, him on the head every time he talks, she helps me a lot. <laughs> Thank right, you. Ahead with the lady is now holding my head <laughs> directly into the microphone. See how much better that sounds, kids? <laughs> All right, go ahead. Oh, there is a definite weird Pope turned down a kiss moment. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's wait on that. That we'll wait, wait on. Wait. For sure. Yeah. So, Whitney, I'm sure you've got some, some serious thoughts on that. I wasn't really buying the Sarah and um, John B. relationship. But then a little later on into season one, and now more into season two, I'm I'm a little more hooked and I'm kind of buying it a little bit more. Um, but I agree with Whitney. I think Key and Pope are super cute. So I'd like for that to continue. Yeah, I, I feel like I had the same vibe early on in season one when John B like goes and tries to kiss Kiara. I was like, God damn, the sexual tension these two have built up is palpable. And I really wanted them to hook it up. But then as more and more time went on, the, the the wrong side of the tracks, right side of the tracks dynamic between John B. and Sarah kind of won me over until I just really need to see these two have sex. So that was me. So right. we're, we're all kind of good with it then, I guess. Yeah. Not to mention the last thing I'll add is if she and John B. get together, it kind of throws off the dynamic of the core four for me personally. Because it's like not only is John B. like the fucking legend of the crew, now he's got the girl in the crew. It's just a little lopsided. I think I was just a little let down that JJ didn't get that win with Kiara. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just, I wish they would have, I know you like Pope intern Whitney, but I kind of like JJ so much more that I wanted him to have a lady. But I see, I don't think JJ needs Kiara. Like where I think Pope, like God help that kid. If he doesn't get a girlfriend like her yeah, sooner rather than later, because he's just so tightly wound. That he can't go to college without, like, dating her, sleeping with her at least once. So he's not. Oh, pray to, to God. I hope they show that in the show too. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. Do you think JJ will have a love interest at any point? I think I think that that to me is I I think that's prime season three material. Like yeah. they've already developed the John B and Sarah relationship. They're starting to develop the the Pope and Kiara relationship. Yeah, I mean, imagine transferring that passion he has for his boys onto a female situation, and that's good TV. Dude, the the dynamic between him and I mean, maybe we should hook him up with a kook too. Do we need to do that? Sure, we could. I mean, he is firmly planted on the wrong side of the track. So I would love to see him get with a rich girl too. Um, okay, number six. This is more of a comment or an observation other than an actual question, but we got to talk about him. Ward Cameron, uh, Sarah's dad, real dickwad, the villain of this show, just crazy to me. I thought this actor crushes. He plays like an upstanding citizen and like super rich. I'm into charity. I do the right thing always. I'm a great dad and husband. But then turns out he's just like a murderer and a really evil guy. Yeah. Was still loves his family at the same time. Yeah. And uh, fucked up his kids. Like his son, Rafe, is uh, potentially going to be a serial killer. Now, like, bad did you dad. get the vibe that that was just a bad seed thing? Because Sarah's his daughter and she's not strange. 
I mean, was it? It could have just been like a mental disorder thing with the kid that he's kind of a twisted serial killer type. Well, also the kid's seen. I mean, he's seen his own father, like be cool with killing people. You know. And right. I kind of want to blame the dad for Rafe being fucked up. It's a so, little. It's a little nurture. A little nature. It's not like Sarah's like hitting on all cylinders. I mean, she's fucking a, a poke. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's not like she's just getting a topper. <laughs> How bad does Topper suck, the by the way? The worst. He might just be a really good actor, though, because I, like, genuinely hated the fuck out of him. Yeah. Yeah. He he, he definitely elicits some strong emotions. Look, okay, that, that brings me to... While we're on Topper, that that segues in nicely. Um, John B's wedge on Topper. Topper was the guy who's kook. He's from the right side of the tracks. He was dating Sarah Cameron. John B wedged in. Was John B's wedge on Topper? Will we call that a gentleman's wedge, or will we just call that a shady wedge? I don't even. I feel like he didn't even try. Yeah, he didn't try it. I mean, would it have been a revenge wedge because uh, Topper told on him about the stealing the equipment? See, that's the thing. Is I think where you get into a gentleman's wedge versus a shady wedge is gentleman's wedge is you kind of wedge in without shitting on the guy. You know, like John B is not sitting there doing that move where it's like, God, if I was your boyfriend. Man, if I was your boyfriend, oh my god, I'd never take I would never take you for granted. Yeah, and to Whitney's point, it was pretty organic. So if I, I'm gonna go gentleman's wedge on this. I my vote would be gentleman's wedge. Yeah. Yeah. I think he he did it the right way. He just did it with charisma, hotness, and abs, and, and that's it. Okay. Okay. Um number eight. <laughs> Is this working? Tell me if this is working. Um, by the oh, by the way, we should say though on um, Ward killed John B's dad. Yeah. Fucked up. Oh yeah. He's a killer. He killed John B's dad. Number eight. Why do cops and authority figures never believe anyone ever? Any teens? I mean, John B in season one is telling everyone that like someone's you know murders are taking place this guy's stealing like gold and all this stuff the cops never besides that one lady cop who got killed no one fucking believes him um i don't know i get i'm trying to put myself in their perspective would you believe first of all they're from the wrong side of the track so i don't know if that factors into it but would you believe some teenagers telling you some crazy stuff now the other perspective is in a lot of these situations, what's their motivation for lying? That's, I know they're told, this TV show is told from the perspective of the teen. So I'm always like, why is no one believing them? But I don't think they have an incentive to lie. But at the end of the day, yeah, to your point, if they're talking about like gold treasure. Yeah. It's like, like they're, a li- they're a little uh, off the rocker. Yeah. Like if, if I'm the cop and like these kids are getting trouble for random stuff and I'm trying to just correct them and keep my town in order and they're like hey, you don't understand it's like a sunken ship and treasure i'm He's like got the gold. yeah i'm like okay let's just like stop causing kids are stop high. causing chaos in my town <laughs> these kids are high as shit go smoke weed in a parking lot like a normal teenager doesn't john b also have like a record like doesn't he like, uh, he's got a rap sheet have, like yeah. like petty theft and stuff like that like if if somebody's rap sheet is that long the cops may not yeah. believe them as is quickly yeah actually you know i shouldn't have said cops it's more uh, and and this is less in this show but i think it just gets to me more so with the parents like it happens a lot in teen dramas where like 
the parents never believe their own kids. So like I get the teen thing, especially if they're like a bunch of degenerates from the other side of the tracks. But like, I think it's more with the, when the parents aren't believing them. It's like, it's your kid, man. I mean, fuck. Do you know who, by the way, always believe their kids? Sandy Cohen. Always. Always. But yeah, it's this frustrating plot things where like this all gets solved with just maybe a follow up question to by a parent or a police officer in a let's check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's just... type situation. But I think John B also has a little bit more heat on him because everybody knows that he currently doesn't have a guardian. Yeah. Like he's a minor with no guardian and he's just living by himself. So he's kind of like they're trying to find a situation for him. Everybody knows he's just basically a wayward kid, which, yeah. by the way, is another great add to a teen show is just to have the high school kid that just lives by himself. Oh, yeah. By the way, the people in this town like are really trying to get John be a guardian, you know, because it's like, hey, he just lives off like in the marsh by himself. Like, it's not like he's really he's not hurting anybody. He's not hurting anyone. Like, and he's he's 17. He's can you just like let him who cares? Let him live like this for another eight months before he's 18. And then it doesn't matter. Just seems like everyone in that town like really is like off put that this guy doesn't have a guardian. His dad died. Fuck. His dad died. Okay, let's get into the um, number nine here, second to last one on season one. Is Key actually into any of these guys? And I know we we start to find out she actually is in season two. But just on season one, I was thinking, is she actually into any of these guys or is she just a full-on lesbian? I mean, so we know real life key is pansexual so i don't know if that's bleeding over into her acting <laughs> probably uh maybe maybe uh but i think i think it's like so i thought about it and it was like being key is kind of the coolest spot you could be in as a girl like three pretty good looking guys all your best friends and i think she just likes the equal attention from all of them you know so it's like no she's not going to give out any vibes and she also doesn't want to ruin the dynamic you know she wants to be in the friend crew still. So if things get weird with her and one of them, she's probably the first one to go. So I don't know. I don't know if maybe that's why she's so like hesitant. Cause she freaks out when John B kisses her and says timing was terrible on that one. She freaks out when John B kisses her. She also freaks out in season one when Pope tries to hook up with her, but then she freaks out also when John B starts getting with Sarah. Well that you, you know how that is though. You that wasn't sexual. That was just well, no, no. Even if it was, like, you don't necessarily want him, but you you don't want her to have him either. And she hates Sarah. Yeah, they got so, baggage. Yeah, so I think it's a possessive thing, and maybe more of a like, I'm not playing with this toy right now. But as soon as you say you want it, I want it back, kind of deal. Yeah. Do they touch on the baggage between oh, yeah. Sarah yeah. and Sarah? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, they they like um, they make the two girls they trap them on a boat and take the keys overnight and they make them stay a whole night together so they just like have to work out their issues. That's right, I remember that now. But interesting point though, you think the best case scenario for a lady in high school is to have no lady friends and just no, no, three no. hot guys I, no, as no. bros if you're if you if you're seeking guy attention and yeah. want to keep all of that attention on you you're not gonna go for one of the guys and then have the other two guys no longer be interested yeah you're gonna keep the three going but is it weird that she, she doesn't have any 
girlfriends? Are there any girl Pogues other than her? Because we haven't met any. Yeah. Because I think Pogues is more... In the like, Outer Banks, there's like no a, poor women. It didn't seem... I haven't <laughs> seen any of them yet. And I think I think being a Pogue seems like more of a lifestyle, too. Like, she's very tomboy, you know, like with her, like what she prefers to do. You know, I meant to ask this. I, I, when we did Team Kiara versus Team Sarah Cameron, we didn't go specifically just on looks. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't get real shallow here. Who do we think is more attractive? I think they're between equals. the two. Uh, they're they're they too are, hard to determine. It's tough. Yeah, it's really tough. They're attractive in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like both their bodies are perfect. I mean, Whitney, when you decapitate them and then look at their faces with no body, are you still saying tens? Yeah, just I, face alone. I'm going face alone, Kiara. Face alone, God, Kiara. but Sarah Cameron's body. I was noticing a lot in season two, mm-hmm. like. <clears throat> yeah running <laughs> just getting chased in the same, oh my god when she's outfit, running oh I, I, I didn't care <laughs> well you probably yeah <laughs> i was yeah. not i was not was clocking good. that uh she didn't change in five days uh, she probably stinks well thankfully i can't smell her through <laughs> the television screen so and doesn't that dirt and sweat add to the hotness yeah I mean, she glistens. She doesn't glisten. sweat. She glistens. No, she's pretty. But I was doing the same thing because I think her body is definitely so attractive that you almost aren't even paying attention. To, and I, I did. I cut the head off again. Right. Head, and mm-hmm. I thought, it's like, honestly, facially, I don't know. So, don't know. okay, whole package. We we ha- It's a podcast. We have to choose. You have to gun to your head. I'm going to pick Kiara. On lo- this is just looks alone. We're not doing like total. But we're just saying looks alone. Kiara. I'm picking Kiara. Pat? It's tough. It's like... It's uh, tough. We talked about this actually a couple weeks ago. It's like the nacho cheese, Cool Ranch Doritos mm. question. Like, yeah. What's better? What do you choose? Almost impossible for me, but at the end of the day, I had to go Cool Ranch Doritos when faced with that decision. So for me, that's Sarah Cameron. <sighs> Where do you net out? I would say gun to my head. Uh, Just looks. Yeah, Sarah. Ah, fuck. I think I go Sarah Cameron, but it is tough. It is so okay. tough. I, I, if I'm going personality included, I actually think I go Kiara because I, I like her. She's a little more of, um, I don't want to say wet blanket. She is a wet. It's like, I, I just am more into like that wet blanket kind of bitch personality. I feel like Sarah Cameron's a little more upbeat than my liking like i kind of want like a bitch i love that that's your type yeah I and mean, look at anna from hr massive bitch <laughs> so but yeah i i think i go sarah cameron just looks but if we're doing the whole thing i think i'd go team key anyways i i had to i i, I was kicking myself kicking myself that i didn't get like really chauvinistic on this podcast with just their looks you know i think anna and i are here so it's okay right uh okay season one ends last one we'll do number 10 Rafe, Ward's son, shoots the sheriff, kills her. Mm-hmm. Ward takes the gold to the Bahamas. John B. and Sarah are fugitives on the run because they are pinning the sheriff murder on John B. Um, they escape to like the, the, the ocean and they're trying to outrun the cops like through the storm in this boat. And my question to you guys, last one, number 10, is, is there any way that John B. and Sarah actually survived that storm with that little dinghy boat? It looked pretty epic. The storm looked ridiculous. 
It completely capsized. Yeah, I'm they're in the ocean and they are their boat fucking flips perfect storm style upside down and they are cast overboard in the ocean in a massive storm with no life surviving overnight just treading water and calm water in the ocean would be brutal but doing it in a storm probably impossible completely impossible it would just be like could you imagine getting slammed when you go out um just in the surf at the beach and you go where you can't stand and you're just getting slammed by wave after wave it's exhausting. This is actually a good point. This reminds me, uh, this happened to us on our honeymoon fi- five years ago. We were in St. Lucia and uh, <laughs> we were just right there. I mean, it, was pre- it wasn't even like the, the, the flag on the beach wasn't red. You know, it was just kind of like yellow. But y- even yellow is like, you know, caution, caution big time. <laughs> and we went in there and she got so rocked by uh, a wave that it just took off her entire bikini. <laughs> And she was so discombobulated. She might have had a concussion. She might have had a. She might have had a concussion, and she like comes up out of the water, and just starts walking to the shore, topless, an entire beach of people, and I'm yelling like from the water because obviously I can take it. I can take a little yellow out there, Um, and I'm in the water just yelling. Your top is off. Your top is off. And she's so out of it that she just didn't even register and just walked up on the beach. This is an all-inclusive resort. Everyone's just sitting there. Nudity. <laughs> Love that. I can't believe I've never heard that story. In my defense, my head completely hit the the bottom of the ocean floor. Like, I had a minor concussion. Right. She was concussed. <laughs> And naked. And, uh, yeah. Nice couple that we actually got to know on the flight over. Um, was there? came over with a towel or something. Because <laughs> we didn't know where her top was. I was, was. going to say, did the top get lost in the surf? It was we nice. eventually found it. Nice. Um, and my sunglasses were found. Yeah. Yeah, anyways. Um, so, we don't think they're surviving. Here's the other thing is, everyone in Perfect Storm dies. You know what I mean? Ah. I mean, no one survived that. You know, if it were an imperfect storm, there'd be a chance that they could live. But when it's perfect, you you die. Even if you're Mark Wahlberg and George Clooney, you, or John B. and Sarah Cameron, you're not making it out of there. So, okay, I feel like that was, I think that covered like all of season one with those ten questions. Yeah, that was nice. Very yeah. well done. Okay, uh, should we transition with a little Alt J into? Season 2, Episode 1, Outer Banks. Oh, yeah. I was just happy to get Alt J on here. Yeah. Like, I don't think we've played an Alt J song, and they featured this this song, uh, "Left Hand Free," like 
very prominently in Outer Banks, and so I had to play it. Yeah, it was a perfect um, season opener song. Got me in the mood. Reminds me that I'm watching a 2021 show, even though I think that song came out like eight years ago. Still felt totally irrelevant. Right. Any? Do you want me to just get into it? Or are there any thoughts that you guys had like heading into season two? Or do you want me to just get into the plot? Just dive in. Just dive in. Yeah. Kicks off. Uh, no one's really sure if John B. and Sarah survived that perfect storm. <laughs> They're almost positive they died. Which I would be... Not almost positive, positive, but yeah. Do they it, do a a funeral for her? Because I know the Pogues get together and do sheriff, like some. They did yeah, the, sheriff. the sheriff. The sheriff's funeral. You don't see any funeral stuff for Sarah. I think because it may be just it would be weird because now we her parents are like evil. We don't want to see them mourning, but like I'm sure they think she's dead. John B's crew thinks he's dead. They do like a Pogue style funeral. And uh, I remember they traced uh, like a, a heart on a tree with his initials on it, and it said "Born 2003." Oh, it's and tough. So fucking old. It's tough. Yeah, that one was tough. That was tough. Um, P for L, Pokes for life. Yep. That's what they put on the tree. I think they were in this weird zone of like, kind of when you have a missing child case where it's like, child's been missing for a week but like there's still no body that's turned yeah. up. So we don't want to like full on, like put the closure in our head that they've died. So I think they're kind of still looking for them, but I think with each passing day, they're starting to realize like they probably didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, there's also a $50,000 reward out for John B's head. Cause I think he, if he is alive, he killed the sheriff and well, Whitney cut it off already. So <laughs> that head's probably floating around somewhere. That's <laughs> yeah, it's uh, what's on his body. If there's 50 K on his head, what do we think? According I mean, because those abs. To Whitney, more than 50K. So we want to put a 100K reward oh, yeah. on his abs? We'd easily double it Yeah, his abs. Quick question mm-hmm. to see if you all thought this was strange. But, I mean, we know that Ward's evil. But at this point, we have to assume he thinks Sarah's dead. And I'm just saying the reaction, like, he doesn't seem too torn up to me. He seemed way more concerned about his gold and, like, mm-hmm. getting it safely to the Bahamas than his daughter dying. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is like, what the fuck? Confirmation, piece of shit. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, and also more, more concerned about his son not going to jail too. Yeah, yeah. There's a line because there's a line where, and I thought this was interesting. Their family dynamic is weird. That's a good point that you said. They don't even seem. They don't even mention her dying within their family. But the mom says, worst case scenario, if anybody finds out what happens, we just blame it on the son. Well, she's just the the stepmom, though, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, because he's the one that actually pulled the trigger, I think, right? Mm. And the dad says, never say that again. So, yeah, I guess because... He was so protective of the son. He's like, that's not even in the question. But Sarah's his real daughter, too, right? Sarah's his real daughter, yeah. Where their mom? Did their mom die? It said she left when they were three. So maybe some season three possibilities of the mom coming back. Yeah, I don't think they ever... They didn't say died, so... Yeah, she's around. Yeah. She's probably out in Chino just like gambling and stuff. Probably, probably. On the other side of the country. If I know deadbeat moms, like I know a Don Atwood. Um, Rafe sucks, dude. By the way, I I know we touched on it, but Rafe sucks. Like even in this episode, he's like talking about, hey, dad. You know what I think we should do? No, Rafe, what should we do? Tell me, please. I think we should, um... Tell me, Rafe, what's your great idea? 
think we should kill them all. Just like, kill everyone, Rafe? Bud? That's the solution? Your kid is a serial killer. Now your kid has officially killed someone and he's just talking about serial killing everyone. There was a look on the dad's face when he said that and it was like in that moment he was half torn between oh shit, my son's an actual psychopath and then be like it's right. actually not a not a bad idea. Yeah. It's probably would tie up a lot of loose ends. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, hey, you said it, son. Not my idea, but wink. <laughs> like go ahead, murder. Another thing I had written down here, because back to the Pope and uh, Kiara stuff, her mode, we were talking about her. She's a little more chill. He's like high strung. Her mode in, in this like ambiguous zone of not knowing if her best friend is, you know, been taken to the deep is just smoke some weed, get high, kind of just like put it out of her head kind of thing. Whereas he wants to like live in that anxiety. And when she's doing that, she goes and kisses him now. And now she's getting horny and stuff and wants to fuck and he passes it up. And so I guess it was just like, I don't love Pope and that move just like solidified it. Like this guy's such a little bitch to me. Oh, see, I, I think it was a smart move. Not, not because, having sex. Yeah, because if what would happen, like, I feel like he's, he was smart to, he's like, you don't really want this because if she did that. And like, wasn't like woke up the next day, not feeling good about it or whatever. And like that's the end of it. Oh, so so he's you think he's playing the long game. He's playing long game. Yeah. Vibe wasn't right. Yeah. I know, but as we talked about, like she's so perfect. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of st- restraint on his part. Yeah. Yeah. He just he bothers me in general. Like Pope, I just love a JJ so much more. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's just he's he, more interesting. I just don't. I think it it just comes down to I don't love the nerds as much. Yeah, and I love the nerds. You love the so nerds. That's gonna get me every time. Yeah. Are we thinking they're definitely gonna probably have sex in I season don't know. two? See, I don't know. Like, I just I, he's gotta eventually make his move. I think that once they find John B. Yeah, maybe once they find John B., everything will calm down a bit and he can focus on. I mean, I hope they show the sex scene. I mean. I'm assuming they will. They haven't. They didn't. Pray hold to God. Too. Yeah. They didn't hold Is back Netflix too allowed to show nudity? Yep. They can. They? Do they? Yeah. Who? What show? Where have you seen it? I mean, HBO does it all the They're time. They're allowed to do whatever they want. It's on the internet. Well, what's up? Why aren't we? I mean, let's go. Do they have ratings on it? Like, is this a yeah. PG-13 situation? Netflix shows nudity a lot less than HBO. That's true. Like That's Euphoria, I mean, off the top of my head, I Euphoria can't think of any Netflix shows that. Uh, edgy. Euphoria was showing a ton of nudity. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all know. So, what's up, Netflix? We've got two smoke shows here who are in their twenties, safe, in their twenties. All right, we'll send them an email. Let's <laughs> write a strongly, strongly worded, worded letter. Note. Yeah. Um, Bahamas. I think the Bahamas are a big winner in this season too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nassau getting a lot of love. Right. I uh, I was googling where that was, hoping to go someday. I've uh, I don't think I've ever been to the Bahamas. You have. I have been. Uh, have. We we went what a couple years ago. Totally unreal. Took your top off in the waves. <laughs> <laughs> not, sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. Not that go around now. No. <laughs> it's a I left it on. 
Yeah, we we started out. We did sandals in uh, St. Lucia for our honeymoon, and now we're like Michael Scott. We'll never like go on a vacation again that isn't at a sandals resort. <laughs> so we went we went to uh, a sandals in the Bahamas, and then I believe we went to sandals in uh, Cancun. No, we didn't. That wasn't sandals. No. Fuck. Sandals people. Maybe. Uh, well, we are mostly sandals people. Yeah, maybe, maybe we get sponsored by sandals. In the, in the Caribbean, we're all about the sandals. Yeah. So, so plot wise, they're currently in John B. and Sarah, not dead. In not fact, dead. very much alive. Most of this episode is them spent in Nassau. But where we first see them, they wake up in each other's arms in a bed on a boat. Yeah. So they, in theory, they got washed out to sea in that storm and just treaded water for God knows how long. Um, yep. And then a boat came along and serendipitously picked them up. Yeah. And Crazy the- long odds that weren't really addressed, but that's that's what happened. <laughs> they, they, they showed part of it at the beginning. Like, they were floating and she used the gold to, to flag the ship down. Oh, I, I must have missed that. Yeah, that's okay. how she got him. Those guys on the boat, though, they're the guys who see the reward, and now it's like, okay, these guys are going to try and turn him in for this reward. Yeah, the guys on the boat go from being good Samaritans to just evil. Yeah, like that was quick. Really that was quick. very quick. And it's like it goes from, yeah, we'll just rescue these two people and take them to shore, you know, give, feed them, clothe them, all that good stuff, to like they basically started to extort them. They went from just like good Samaritans who were on like a barge to – we're like full on like in a Bahama gang mm-hmm. and we probably are doing a whole bunch of racketeering. I think I'm sure there's okay. racketeering there's involved. smugglers and yeah. smuggling yeah. smuggling stuff. Do there's Bahama one, gangs there's one line that saves that kind of, um, from being just a really weird plot point where they have, uh, I forget they're going to, Oh, they're going to try and collect the $50,000 reward. And so they're like, oh, let's have, let's lock them in that room. People bring people on the boat, bring the police on the boat. And the guy's like, we have like seven different kinds of contraband on board. We can't do that. So you're like, all right, these guys are shady. Yeah. I I was thinking, are there showers on that barge? Because you would think that they would have hooked uh, John B and Sarah up with a shower. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, yeah. they're out there for weeks at a time. I would assume there was showers. I mean, we've seen below deck. We know that you can get a shower on these nautical vessels. It's yeah, possible. I think this it was is just no yacht, though. Yeah, and it might have just been determined that John B. Um, and Sarah look both better dirty. They do. I did. I noted that of like. Um, I mean, it's been weeks since anyone in the show has showered. I, I think anyone. Yeah. Like I don't even think Ward Cameron's showering much, <laughs> and everyone looks better. And this is my this is my whole thing, dude. I think we all got to start doing this. No shampoo. I mean, John B.'s hair is fantastic with no shower. Uh, I could probably pull that off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you probably could. By the way, uh, recent development in my life, I switched to uh, like deodorant that doesn't have the heavy metals in it. Oh, really? Because I just heard that's bad for you. Some random place, and it got up in my head. So I'm using some deo- like antiperspirant that's not deodorant. Does and- it have a scent? Yeah, it's like scented. It's got like a, a cool. Why scent is Whitney to it. making a face like she's gonna vomit? Because now my armpits fucking smell so bad. Because it doesn't work. Okay, it doesn't so work. No I basically scent. just have nothing. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm gonna have to figure out a there's solution. There's a scent, but there's nothing to block the sweat. After one day of just living life, working Are you like my. This? 
Not it's that, like, not like that. I don't have pit, I don't have like pit sweat it's like the, that. Oh, it's but it's just day. sitting at my desk job for eight hours. When I come in, I smell like an animal. I went into the uh, non-aluminum um, deodorant game, and I got the same result. Yes, stinky <laughs> pets. I, I witnessed it. Like I was, I don't remember. I was. I was at work and I was like lifting to get something and I was like, oh God. Oh God. <laughs> and so immediately switched back. But the switch back. Are you going aluminum again? This uh, was, Old Spice Metals. This was pre-pregnancy. Who knew aluminum was so good at <laughs> causing my armpits not to smell like old sandwiches? Yeah. I know it's, it's. I mean, I, I'm now an Old Spice guy through and through and I've I, always been. I've always been and it's like, it doesn't curb the pit sweat at all. Funny thing, I was just watching this other Netflix show you gonna smell that? Yeah, take a smell. Dude, I have your Plus. I have your problem right now. This is deodorant. This isn't antiperspirant. I know, but that's like I've You're literally become... doing nothing to stop oh, your and perspiration. It's, it's aluminum free too. Oh, there Dude, you, you go. You're on the same page. No, but I'm aluminum free, so I'm. I don't so care. Am I, now? I don't care that I'm sweating. I just I don't want to. I want to smell good. Aluminum free, obviously. Maybe I'll go with Old Spice. Yeah. Who so cares? you just rub that on your cats and they they smell fine. Yeah, that's my smell. Don't smell get, it. Don't you get rashes sometimes? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I get rashes. Not bad. <laughs> Whitney, <laughs> Whitney does pets. not want to fucking smell it's not that. It's not an aggressive smell. Uh, here's 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 what I will say as we go way too long on this. I'm not a cologne guy and I never will be. So if I'm not getting something from my deodorant. I'm never going to like, you know, my neck and, and wrists like my dad. I'm not a cologne guy. I don't think I'll ever be. Every once in a while, I'll pass like a like a really cool looking guy and he smells good like cologne. And I'll be like, shit, maybe, you know. Dude, that's no. Like I don't want to. Like, I that guy smell smells that. like he's got his shit together. You know what else? And so every once in a while, I'll drift through my head. I don't know. You know, now like this is guy? no, this is a good conversation, though, because with ladies in here, I want to also go on the record and say that I fucking hate perfume and i know all ladies do it all ladies do it but i think that that's more for you guys yeah, yeah. like smelling each other because yeah. i don't think guys are actually into this that like uh strong floral or like woodsy smell of perfume i yeah i don't think that any woman thinks that it's for guys so why why are we doing it because we want to smell Ooh. good what don't you just do stuff for guys only we want to <laughs> Contrary to what you think. <laughs> so, are you guys both? I know you are perfume gal. Are you a perfume gal? Uh, not not really. Just because it was banned in our office, like you couldn't wear it. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Well, just because some people didn't know their. Oh, old ladies. No, young old ladies, ladies sometimes too. <laughs> Those and old ladies. And so I think I just never got in the habit. You just don't want to be overdoing it. Like the people that overdo it, like Pat was saying, and for me, I have the opposite reaction. If someone walks by or I can smell it from like a distance, I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck. It's too easy to go too far the wrong way. Yeah. The, the right amount's perfect, but I think that gotta, I'd rather have nothing at all. You got to spray, delay, and walk away. No, you spray and walk through it. That's what I said. Uh, well, he said walk away. He just used the cooler, like rhyming <laughs> words. He just sprayed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you spray it to the left, walk right. That was, that doesn't even. That touch. line is actually from Carson from the original Queer Guy. Mm. Well then, then it, that's Queer the, Eye. Then Queer it eye. is fact. Yeah, it is yeah, fact. That's some good advice. Yeah. You want to get back to the show? Yeah. Yeah. 
Outer Banks, season two, episode one, back into it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to say, too, they're now like running through Nassau and they got to figure out like a place to get food. They get, you know, people are looking for him. There's a reward out for him. And so they their plan is to stop at like a hotel and uh, they'll just like grab some food from from like the buffet at the hotel and everything. I actually thought it was kind of a good plan in terms of like if you're homeless like this might be a good way to just like pop in and get food every once in a while is go to like a hotel buffet who's gonna stop you i mean i don't think the person at the counter is like a hero no she knew that sarah knew the trick it's just confidence yeah yeah um but it reminded me of you have you ever seen that show con on comedy central 2005 only yeah i love that show yeah so his whole thing was one of one of his moves was uh, to con people. He would go to a hotel and like go out to the pool in the back of the hotel, and he would just start up a conversation with like a businessman who's there, you know, traveling for a couple of days for business, who's just sitting out there. And in his conversation, he would just casually be like, you know, oh, by the way, what room are you? What room are you in? Yeah, I'm I'm a second floor guy. I'm a, I'm in two thirty one. Where are you at? Are you anywhere near? I said, no, I'm up. I'm up in uh, four four nineteen. And he, he's oh, okay. Anyways, and then what he would do is the like waitress at the pool bar or whatever would come around and say like, hey, do you want anything? And he would just go, yeah, I'll take. And he would order a whole thing like glass of champagne, uh, ham sandwich, whatever. And uh, room four nineteen, Mike, right. Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson, room 419. <laughs> that was just like one of his cons. It made me think of it with them. That, that, I'll be real quick about this, but the one I remember is he had a friend that kind of looked like Brad Pitt. Do you remember that? No, I didn't see he that He had one. a friend that looked like Legends of the Fall Brad Pitt. He had long hair and like a big beard, but like did kind of look like Brad Pitt. And so he did this whole thing where they just went out to this really nice LA restaurant <laughs> and got a table and free dinner. Just yeah. because the guy looked like Brad Pitt. Yeah. And no, he worked it somehow to be like, and obviously it's Brad Pitt, so this dinner will be free. You know, like, but, however yeah. he did it, they just ate and partied for free because the guy looked like Brad Pitt. I know that no one's going to be interested in this. I can see the ladies glossing over in the room right now. As I can we're doing feel this. Whitney glossing. I'm I can feel it too. But as she's glossing, I'm going to double down this gloss and say another story about it was I saw this episode where he got all these porn producers like everyone in the porn industry to go to like a, a porn viewing because he was debuting his new uh porn video I remember that one yeah and and the whole shtick though of the porn was that people started off naked and slowly throughout the video they just put more and more clothes on there, there was one where two people were just like hugging with a pillow in between <laughs> and the whole thing was just watching all these porn producers be so confused at what the fuck they were watching of like a porn where people just slowly and slowly become like less horny. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Outer banks. Local Bahama boy gang decides to kidnap them. They're like, we're going to get this ransom. They kidnap the shit out of them. John B gets out of it. Cause he flashes some gold mm-hmm. and tells them that, We've got a lot more where this came from. If you don't turn us into the authorities, they go to Sarah Cameron's house in the Bahamas where there's all these gold plates. They get in hijinks and sues. And eventually it all nets out where John B gets captured the gang or whatever. They just leave John B's captured and the authorities pull up a phone call with ward and ward now knows we think that John B is alive 
He's got his daughter, and they're still trying to steal the gold from him. Episode ends. Episode ends. Love it. There's one thing you forgot. They did contact the rest of the Pogues. So the Pogues know they're alive now. Right. Yeah, good call. Everyone knows. uh, His bros. His bros know they're alive. And it was just one of those classic, like, could you imagine any better feeling than getting, he just sends them a pics message. And it's just like them too doing a selfie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh But I think key learning from that too is with your friends and or family, you need to establish like some kind of secret code. Because that's how they knew it was really John B. Oh yeah. The, the, he, yeah. What was it? I don't know what he said. Something, Something about, about his uh, ship shortboard. Shortboard, yeah. 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 Were, I, th- so I don't know if that do was that. a secret code or if he was just messing around with them. Like that's only but something, something that John B would, you say. would say. Yeah, I would. There's something I could t- I could say that you would know. What would it be? Do it. Let's do a role play. Let's do oh, it. Uh, do it. You don't know where I am. I could be in danger. Um, I kidnap I Pat. You, I kidnap Pat. And I say, hey, this is Pat. What do you ask to prove it's me? I don't ask. He he. No one asked him anything. No. Yes, what, they did. They asked him a question. What do you volunteer to let me know it's you? Either way, either way. I assume way. that you know it's me, but you don't know that you, you don't know it's me. So you ask me a question. I don't, that's not how it happened. Okay, let's just All say right. hypothetically. Let's say hypothetically, no though. How about let's just do it with Okay, I kidnap. Beatty knows how to role play. Let's do this. <laughs> Someone kidnaps me, and I text you, Beatty, you're the only number I have memorized, which is another note. Okay, I know exactly what I'd ask you. Yeah, exactly. Go for it. Well, this will be very different than what Whitney would ask you, but if it were me, I'd Whitney go. Whitney wouldn't ask me anything. What? You should volunteer it. Whitney would let you be murdered. Yeah. <laughs> me and Whitney would... <laughs> we would argue about it. We, we would argue about it over text. All right. Ask me a question. No. Ask me a question. No, They're going to murder me. <laughs> Just ask me a question. Ask me a question. No. no, you tell me what the code would be. Okay. All right. Me. I've been murdered. I ask one thing. I'd say, what? what's the one thing I know about your deck? <laughs> That is perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> and then that's it. Then I would know it's you. <laughs> but yeah, I'd ask I'd ask a dick related question that obviously right, only We know each other's penises pretty well. <laughs> that would that would that would solve everything. I think I, I think there's a lot that you could do that in the moment. In the moment that I mean I'm still a little let down that Whitney has nothing. <laughs> no, I <actually laughs> <ask> <laughs> <laughs> Let's try it again, Whitney. Whitney. I'm I'm right kidnapped. I send you a text that says, Patrick, you're trying to be sure it's me. What question do you ask? I don't know. Barry's middle name. <laughs> what's our address? What What's our cat's name? Yeah. You, so, so what's our cat's easy. name? See, both of those, somebody can find out really easily. I don't yeah, think. everyone can know that Barry's your cat. Be, yeah, this has to be okay. something. What's something that only you... What, what was the first time that we met? What were we wearing? What? The Willy Wonka outfit. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, well, you could. Ask How do me. I know Pat better? <laughs> but see, if you have Pat, you know that. Uh, but uh, you've captured Pat. Yeah. <laughs> In this scenario, you've I, yeah, Pat. I've kidnapped Pat, and I know exactly what More he's wearing. Well, this story, Whitney will eventually think of something. Maybe on the ride home. Who knows? We need a safe word or whatever. What we need to do. Is. John B knows all of his friends' phone numbers by heart. Which that's yeah, that, which is my main takeaway from this. I was really impressed by that. It literally saved the day. I don't even know Whitney's by heart. Really? Uh, he doesn't. I do know hers by heart. I know yours. But, but should I give it out on the pod? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I. That is actually insane. And m- maybe to wrap this thing all up and 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 bring it full circle. Maybe what we're realizing though is that it's not just John B. 
who's into Sarah Cameron in real life for her heart and wits and brain wavelengths. Also, that's reciprocated. And Sarah Cameron is actually into John B's insane intellect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because this guy has all of his friends' numbers memorized. I don't think I know any of my friends' numbers. I know know my, my parents' numbers. I don't know my sisters. I know my parents and hers. I know my friends' um, home phone numbers. Which yeah, do very good for me now. They yeah, it doesn't. Knowing their landlines yeah. from 2003 doesn't help much well, in terms of getting. Con- you'd be texting their landline from 2003. <laughs> one of the one of the craziest. Not letting hidden- anyone know you're still alive. <laughs> one of the craziest hidden talents I've ever seen was our uh, good friend Mike C, who has been on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Just knows everybody's number. Really? Yeah, like he probably knows your number. So if Mike C gets kidnapped, he'd be able to text. You. He's the guy to yeah. He might he'd be able to confirm that, but like ten years ago, he was just reeling off people's numbers, and I was creeped out. Pretty cool, but also impressed. Anything we want to? By the way, I just want to say the. Um, structure on this is part one of two outer banks we're going to do a part two of two on our next pod and we're going to watch all of season two the other nine episodes and come back with a recap of season two and then awards who's our ryan Phillippe? who's our mcitw all the good stuff beautiful uh until next time baby moon podcast one of two complete for intern Whitney, Anna from HR, and Winded Pipes on this podcast, we will tell you, Pat. Clear eyes. Full heart. Do it with a little more confidence. <laughs> There's m- multiple hearts. There's not just one. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Do less, kids. Do way less. <laughs> You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.